Well, for those of you who are visitors tonight, we've been throughout this Christmas season making our way through the Christmas story, paying attention to the response of the shepherds to the birth of the baby Jesus. And so tonight we have a biblical narrative that focuses on the theme of shepherding and sheep throughout Scripture. Long ago, before the beginning of time, there was God. And when God spoke into the void of nothing, creation sprang into existence. Whatever God said, reality obeyed. The cosmos formed according to His Word. And God spoke two humans into being. He said to the humans, continue to create. Be gardeners caring for my creation. Spread my reign. Be my special flock extending my rule into the cosmos. But humans scorned this role. Rather than extending the rule of God, they seized rulership for themselves. Rather than spreading God's reign, they attempted to spread their own reign. And so, in the quintessential act of rebellion, humans usurped their role in a grab for the status of God. And in so doing, they brought sin into the cosmos and they condemned themselves to death. The sin virus wastes no time rearing its ugly head. Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. But Cain murders his brother Abel out of envy, and it only takes one generation for murder to enter the world. But God, out of his love for us, remains undeterred from his mission to gather a flock of rain spreaders. Jesus says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? God is not content to lose his sheep. So he sticks to his intentions of raising up a flock who will bring his name to the cosmos. So God appears to a shepherd by the name of Abraham, and God says to Abraham, leave your land and go to the land I will show you. Abraham obeys by packing up his livestock and traveling to Canaan. In Canaan, God makes another promise. God promises Abraham that he will father a nation of people who will be God's flock. That nation of people will live in the land God brought Abraham to, and they will carry the baton of spreading God's reign over the earth. But despite Abraham's obedience, he is not the shepherd the world needs. Abraham is still sinful. Abraham is still fallen. Abraham succumbs to death in a world full of death and decay. Despite Abraham's wife, Sarah, being way too old to have children, God makes good on his promise to Abraham. Abraham fathers a son by the name of Isaac. Isaac, like his father, becomes a shepherd. And like his father, he is so successful at shepherding that people actually beg him to move away. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants, that the Philistines became jealous of him. Abraham was so successful at shepherding that he and Lot had to split up the grazing land. And Isaac is so successful at shepherding that he's envied and asked to leave. Isaac has a son named Jacob. Jacob follows in the family business as a shepherd. 
But neither Jacob nor Isaac are the shepherd our world needs. Because Jacob steals a blessing from his older brother Esau. He steals the blessing by tricking his dad, masquerading as his older brother. Having stolen what rightfully belonged to his older brother, he flees to work for his uncle Laban. And it's while Jacob worked for his uncle that he learns the family craft of shepherding. And it's while shepherding that Laban tricks the trickster. Laban tricks Jacob into working twice as long in order to marry both of his daughters when one of them, Jacob never wanted to marry in the first place. The sin virus continues into Jacob's children because Jacob had a favorite son, Joseph. Joseph was a shepherd with a side hustle as a tattletale. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Given the fact he was his father's favorite, and given that he was a snitch, his brothers wanted to kill him. So they sold him off to slavery in Egypt. At the end of the book of Genesis, God has gathered his flock of rain spreaders in Egypt, and Jacob, now an old man on the cusp of death, gives his blessing to his kids. And Jacob's going to signal that God has been his shepherd in the context of God's flock-building mission. To Joseph's sons, Jacob says, May the God before whom my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they preserve my name and the names of Abraham and Isaac, and may their descendants multiply greatly throughout the earth. None of these men, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, none of them were the shepherds we need. None of them rid the world of sin and death. Instead, they succumbed to sin and death. We're still waiting for the shepherd who will make all things right again. God continues multiplying his flock of rain spreaders, and we're introduced to a prophet named Samuel. Samuel has been sent by God to anoint the next king of God's flock, Israel. Samuel arrives to this man Jesse's house, and he's looking over all the sons of Jesse for the one to anoint, and God says no to all of them. Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Here's where we're introduced to a young shepherd by the name of David. And as soon as Samuel lays eyes upon David, God tells Samuel, he's the one. Samuel anoints this young shepherd, the king of Israel. And even before David becomes king, he shepherds God's flock in the way of the Lord. When he faces down the enemy Goliath, David says, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do this to this, the pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. David not only becomes the shepherd from the shepherd life, but he shepherds God's flock Israel in the ways of God. He chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pens. He took from David, he took David from tending the ewes and lambs and made him the shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people Israel. He cared for them with a true heart and led them with skillful hands. 
But despite how good of a king David was for Israel, he is still infected with the same sin virus. David commits adultery with another man's wife. Then he has the husband of the woman with whom he cheated murdered. And David dies from the sin virus while his children kill one another trying to seize the throne. Despite David's good and godly reign, and despite his shepherding of the flock of God in the ways of God, sin and death still plague the world. The rain spreaders of God are still inflected with the sin virus that causes death. David's death essentially begins a downward spiral for the flock of God. King after king of Israel abandon the ways of God. They pursue money, pleasure, sex, power. They worship other gods and they spread their own reign rather than spreading the reign of God. The prophet Jeremiah delivers words of judgment for these kings who led the people away from God. What sorrow awaits the leaders of my people, the shepherds of my sheep, for they have destroyed and scattered the very ones they were expected to care for, says the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to these shepherds. Instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you have deserted them and driven them to destruction. Now I will pour out judgment on you for the evil you have done to them. That judgment came in the form of the Babylonians in 586 B.C. The Babylonian army captured Israel's capital city of Jerusalem and carried God's flock into exile. Sin still reigns. Death still plagues the globe. Where is the shepherd who will make all things right? The prophet Ezekiel was a glimmer of hope amidst the dark backdrop of sin and death. And I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. He will feed them and be a shepherd to them. Ezekiel speaks of a new David, a David who will be the good shepherd, a David who will conquer death, a David who will break the flock of God out of sin and death and restore their status as God's rain spreaders. That shepherd comes on a quiet night in Bethlehem. Angels break the silence by appearing in the sky announcing the news of the Savior to an unexpecting group of shepherds. And after hearing the news, the shepherds hurry into Bethlehem to find baby Jesus in a manger, just as the angels had said. After seeing baby Jesus, they spread word and return to their flocks, praising God for delivering his Messiah. When baby Jesus grows up, he roams around with his followers, preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Jesus is the long-awaited good shepherd. And like a good shepherd, he lays down his life by dying on a cross. He dies on the cross and then rises to new life, conquering sin and death. This is the good shepherd we've been waiting for. This is the good shepherd who succumbs to death to conquer death. And here at the end of 2019, the flock of God waits. We wait for the day when the Good Shepherd returns. John gives us a picture of when the Good Shepherd comes back. For the Lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Someday, the Good Shepherd is coming back. He's coming back to deal the final blow to sin and death. 
He's coming back for the flock of God. He's coming back to restore the flock of God to their rightful position as God's rain spreaders. He's coming back to shepherd his flock forever. And in the meantime, we are like shepherds at Christmas, lowly, undeserving outcasts in desperate need of a Savior. And not because we deserve it, but because God loves us, He gives us His Messiah. So like shepherds on Christmas, we hurry to the manger in awe of the Good Shepherd. We are like shepherds, and we are like sheep, living the words of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Good Shepherd is all we need. We lack for nothing when we are in the flock of the Good Shepherd. We turn to the fence line and we boast to the neighboring flock that we belong to the Good Shepherd. We belong to the Good Shepherd who has made all things right. He is all we need. Jesus, thank you for being our Good Shepherd. Thank you for coming to us on Christmas. Thank you for making this world right. Thank you for coming into the history that you authored. Thank you for coming not as a strong warrior, but as a baby. Coming in all the ways that we would least suspect. God, we thank you for the gift of your son Jesus this Christmas. We thank you for winning us back into your flock. We thank you for pursuing us when we stray. Jesus, we praise you. We love you. Thank you for loving us more than we could possibly comprehend. We want to praise you this Christmas Eve, Jesus. Give us a moment to ponder the wonder of you coming to this earth as one of us, and that even to this day you continue at the right hand of your Father as a human in however that works in a way that we don't understand. Jesus, we wait for the day when you will come back to finally make all things right. Jesus, we praise you. In your name, amen.